Guys, we are in a series called In the Light. It's our first series where we're actually just reading through a book of the Bible together. And if you know the context for 1 John, we've got people who, who have been teaching and preaching in the church, but they've been teaching and preaching false things. They haven't been teaching accurately. And so they leave the church, and John, who's about 60, 70 years old, is, is penning and writing a letter to the churches in Asia who have been rocked and a little rattled and asking a lot of questions, wondering what it actually means to be a disciple, to be someone who follows Jesus. Uh, they don't know up from down, left from right. And so John is helping clarify what it means to love Jesus and to follow him. Have you ever gotten bad advice before? Go ahead. Yes, of course you have. A little, a little participation. You're, it's okay. You can have fun in church this morning. Everybody has gotten bad advice or a bad recommendation. Some of you guys are going gonna to fight me on what I'm about to say. I saw the movie X-Men. After tremendous review, I saw it with my friend Alex right here. You know, you've got to go see it. And I went and saw it. And it was a cinema disappointment. It pained me. I I love a good Marvel movie. Some of you might disagree. I don't care. I loathed that movie. And I made it especially clear in the car ride all the way to Jacksonville and all the way back home as we all fought about movies. I've come home before after getting a a great recommendation on something to cook. Amy will attest to this. This is no slight to Amy. Excited about trying something new and, you know, oven opens and it smells like a herd of horses just ran through and destroyed our kitchen. It's Brussels sprouts. And if you've ever smelled Brussels sprouts, sometimes it smells literally like you have a plumbing problem. And I thought, what, what is this demonic recommendation of which we are supposed to eat? We've all had, Brussels sprouts are great, by the way, qualify that. You've had the recipe, you've had the movie, you've had the relationship advice. You've had the workplace advice. Everyone has had the recommendation, the teaching, the modeling that did not turn out. It didn't pan out the way that you hoped or the way that you were expecting it to based on what they had promised. And that is the situation that we find ourselves in here as we read 1 John. We've got people who are disappointed, people that are frustrated, and frankly, even people who are just a little nervous, a little gun-shy. A little scared, wondering if, if God's even real. Am I following him? If he is real, am I following him right? And so John is setting the record straight. Here we go. What does it look like to follow Jesus? First John chapter 2, 5 through 6 says, This is how we, are, we know we are in him. 
Meaning this is how you know that you are in Jesus. You're a a follower of Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Cut straight to the chase. By the way, John is kind of known as the, the guy who talks about love all the time. But if you really take a moment to look at what he writes, he does talk about love a great deal. and We're going to get to it. But my man is not afraid to throw a punch. He will sting you. And we need to be stung as Christians from time to time to be brought into the place where we are effective and fruitful with our faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, if, we're, if, if whoever lives in Jesus, whoever calls himself a Christian, is to live like him, well, how did Jesus live? What was Jesus known for? What was Jesus known for? Shout it out. Don't be scared. What was Jesus known for? Okay, turning culture on its head. What else? Miracles. Miracles. Thank you. What else? Love for others. others. What else? The cross. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. What else? (laughs) Saving people. What else? Generosity. Generosity. The list can go on and on and on. And the thing that got him in the most trouble, the most trouble was actually, somebody said it, his love for people. Even the miracles, the generosity, the turning culture on its head, it was done with such a radical love for others that people simply had never seen before. His love was like no other. And when we sit here and we talk about love here 2016, everybody has an idea of what love is. But we're going to set the record straight, scripturally speaking, and talk about really the definition of love based on 1 John. If you're going to live in Jesus, then live like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus live? And John goes on to unpack it for us here in 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love does not define God. God defines love. God defines this for us. And if you say to yourself, I'm not a very loving person, or I struggle to really just be kind and loving, then we have to ask ourselves, are we full of Christ? Because God is love. He goes on, 1 John 3, 10 through 11. This is how we know. We know that we are the children of God and who the children of the devil are. Oh, my man. How would you like to be called a child of the devil? That's not the most encouraging description, is it? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. 
nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. But I'm not done. 1 John chapter 2, 9 through 11. I'm working my way backwards. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. We are instructed and we are commanded to love one another. It's not rocket science. But what you've got to grasp here, what we need to grasp afresh, and I mean afresh like radically grasp it deep down in our hearts and our souls. Jesus is doing something right here that has never been done before. Oh, people have, there are countless groups there are countless uh, people groups that get together and they, they have things in common. Maybe it's their skin color. Maybe it's their passion or their interest group. Maybe they love soccer. Maybe they love baseball. Maybe they all wear the same kind of hat and they're, just, they're into that and that's their common interest together. Think of the groups that are even around you nowadays. You've got your fraternities. You've got your sororities. You've got your student councils. You've got your city groups and your serving groups and all kinds of organizations and groups. And that existed then as well. And what Jesus is doing is what no one else can compete with. And he says that the thing that should set you apart the thing that you should be identified with as the church, as my bride, as the body of Christ, the one thing, it isn't skin color, it isn't your race, it isn't your hair, it isn't the language that you speak, it isn't your interests, it's this, your crazy love for one another. That should set you apart. When people look at you, they should say, what? is this? What is this thing? What are these people that you serve and, and love? And make no mistake, we should serve and love those who don't know Jesus. But if you cannot serve a brother and sister in Christ and love a brother and sister in Christ or in the church, guess what you'll never be able to do? And that's actually serve and love those who don't know Jesus. You cannot have one without the other. And John is reminding the early church, guys, it's not about this. It's not about that. It isn't about that thing over there. It's about loving one another. Does that summarize the entire gospel? No. But Jesus also makes it clear, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other commandment is like it, love your neighbor. That's right. 
And we need to be reminded of that because we live in an age where everything pushes and strains against you knowing people and having relationships with real, tangible people that you can actually give and share the love of God with. One of my favorite movies, I'm 35, don't judge me, is Hook. It's true. Robin Williams. It's, it's one of my favorite movies. I see the gospel so much in this movie. And if you're not familiar with it, Peter Pan has grown. He's an, he's an older man now. He's got a family. And he's no longer in, in Neverland, and he has forgotten who he is. He forgot who he was, that he is the Pan, the only one who can fight Captain Hook? And without going into all the details, he basically, Tinkerbell and the, the group, it's not a cartoon, it's an actual real movie. He's whisked back to Neverland and he's scared to death because he doesn't remember his past. He doesn't remember who he is. And there's a moment where one of the lost boys, or the entire group, is, is, is they don't know what to think about him. And this little boy comes over to, to Peter, and he's on his knees, and he begins to touch his face, begins to press against his, his forehead and his cheeks, and he's, he's moving his skin all around, and he's just smiling, and he just has such a sweet temperament about him. And he, he finally finds a face, and he's pushing against Peter's face, and it's a smile, and he says, there you are, Peter. And all of the kids come running and the music is cute and you're sitting on the couch and you're biting your lip and he remembers, you know, it's Peter Pan. And it's just this powerful moment where he doesn't remember, but they see the trace. They see the, the, the resemblance. He's, it's in there. Don't forget who you are. You're the Pan. Now let's go fight Captain Hook. And so often, church, we are great at forgetting who God has called us to be. First and foremost, men and women who will love one another. And you might sit here and say to yourself, yeah, this is old hat, I know this. Do you? Does your social media feed reflect that? I hear, I see so much bickering and fighting in our culture over this upcoming election within the body of Christ. And if you vote for this person, we've got issues. And if you vote for this person, we've got issues. Unfriend, you know what I'm talking about. Where somehow, simply because you think something different than someone, or have a different set of values than another person, then it makes it right to vilify another human being. That's wrong. I want you to hear me say this, church. There are people in our church that are going to vote for Trump. There are people in our church that are voting for Bernie Sanders. There are people in our church that are voting for Hillary Clinton. And I want you to hear this. 
It doesn't matter your political party or your political affiliation. The one thing that you have been called to be defined by is your love for Jesus and your love for one another. Not the party in which they belong to. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to love one another regardless of some of the things that you see and maybe are bothered by? Can you engage in loving conversation, in loving prayer, in loving and gracious humility? If you know me, you know I'm passionate. If you've been listening to me, you also know I'm passionate. I have, I have very defined beliefs when it comes to politics. And yet here I am leading a church. And we're not using this as a platform to preach some party deal. Because what comes first is love. Love for you. Love for each other. Are you with me? Are you alive this morning? How did Jesus love? Unconditionally, I just heard it nicely done. Getting a lot of group, I'm getting participation today, I like that. Romans 5.8 says that, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for you when you brought nothing to the table. You contributed nothing to the relationship. Do you, do, you, do you hear me saying this? You and I were vile, wicked, obnoxious, arrogant, prideful people. And before our hearts were somehow right and clean before God, he still chose to die for you and for me. His love is unconditional. And even after you accept and put your faith in Jesus, maybe you haven't done that here today. You heard somebody up here earlier that's just recently done that. Some of you are new to faith. And you need to hear that God's love for you is not dependent upon you getting everything right. I had the pleasure of riding in the car with a bunch of fellows for few hours yesterday. It's interesting though, isn't it? As much as I say this, I don't always live that way. I think to myself that by praying and reading the Bible and having a great worship experience on Sunday and building a big church and growing this and attending church and being all these things somehow, even though I know in theory they don't, I still feel like they've earned me points and I've gotten closer to Christ and closer to Jesus and it hasn't hasn't done that at all because Jesus came near to you and to you and to me when he died on the cross and I can get no nearer to him he came all the way he came all the way my son my children no one has the capacity to make a mom or a dad angrier, quicker than their children. And every parent said amen to that. 
We were laughing about it because I have been deprived even last night. If there was ever a night I needed sleep, I've been, we've been driving, the conference was late, I'm going to get home, I'm still working a little bit on the message, I'm tired, oh, I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to go straight to bed, I'm going to get a solid six in, it's going to be amazing. False. That is not what's going to happen. Three-year-olds wailing in the middle of the night, I don't even know why, just, ah, you know, just, just, I'm angry at the world. You know, and you get out of bed and you're, oh my gosh, God, Jesus, are you, are you alive and real? Have mercy, please. That's how you think. You know what happens? As angry as you can be in the moment, and I'm human, okay? God is perfect. Jesus was perfect. I am not, but even in my lack of perfection, you know what my kids don't experience when they wake up? Me being angry with them. I'm not depriving them of my affection. You, you, you think you're going to sit on this couch? I don't think so. You woke me up last night. Go to the other room. No way. They're going to come down and have no memory that they even did it in the first place. And they're going to get their little blankie or their milk or whatever, and they're going to snuggle up on the couch. And that is exactly the manner in which you and I should function with our Heavenly Father because His love is unconditional. And your sin has been wiped as far as the east is from the west. There is no memory of it. There is no taste of it. And you can snuggle up as quick and as fast and as long as you want because He is not holding it against you. And so if we're going to live like Jesus, get, guess what that means? That's right. We get to love one another with no condition. I'm not making people earn it. And when they blow it, I'm not going to hold it against you. And we all do. We all blow it. Every single one of us. And yet how we love, we love like Jesus who loved with no condition. And that can be hard. And that means that there's risk and vulnerability that is required. I'm not saying be a doormat this morning or let someone just continue to be a punk. We're going to get to this in a second because the other thing that God's love and Jesus' love that we get to emulate is, is it was forgiving. It was unconditional. It was forgiving. You guys need to give Pastor Jason a tough time this morning because he's probably struggling with some bitterness today because on our way home, there was this big billboard, a place called Barbaritos, tacos, steak tacos. We're, we're trying to get home, though. Nobody wanted to stop at Barbaritos. Except Jason. He had a hankering for those tacos, and he was doing everything he could to try to get to go there. But he was swayed, and the party took us to Hardee's. <sighs> That's a crime. It's wrong, isn't it? Forgiveness. Jason's going to have to forgive us for that. I'm giving him a hard time. And I'm being sarcastic about it. 
But make no mistake about it, people have held on to bitterness for far less. They have. I have. How often we've experienced church hurts. Anybody been hurt in a church before? Um, that's a lot of people already, and some of you aren't, aren't even raising your hand yet. I have. What does it look like to be courageous and to love like Jesus? It means that I love with forgiveness on the forefront of my lips. There are people that have hurt Amy and I, that have offended Amy and I, that have betrayed or stabbed Amy and I. Amy's my wife. You have experienced the same thing. And you know what it looks like to love like Jesus? It means with great intentionality, I am going to stand before God and I'm going to, out of my mouth, release them, which is what forgiveness means. It means to cancel payment. And if you've ever heard it said that bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die, that is what it's like when we hold on to unforgiveness. It's, it's me drinking the poison and expecting that person to pay for it. But it's you and it's me. But John says you need to love like Jesus loves. How does he love? He loves unconditionally and he loves with forgiveness. And so God, as hard as this is, I choose to let go and to forgive. God, I forgive them just like you forgave me. When Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. We get to do the same thing. One of the more common questions I get is, how do you do that? How do you love like that with great difficulty? It's not easy. There are people even in my own life where I have to be really intentional and I name them by name when I'm praying. Sometimes I'll turn on worship music and I will say, God, thank you for this person. God, I'm choosing in this moment to let go, and I am believing the best for that guy, for that girl. Father, would you move powerfully in their life? God, would you speak to them? Would you bless their family? Would you pour out your loving kindness on someone that's hurt me? Because, God, I refuse to be the kind of person who doesn't love my brother or love my sister and let something get in between far, be it from me. God, today I am letting go, and I believe the best. I choose today to pray for their best in your kingdom. And lastly, as we wrap, 1 John 4, 9 through 11. This is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I have a friend here today who reminded me on the phone not too long ago that love is never wasted. I love that. I want you to hear that for a second. When you take the time to love like Jesus loved, it is never wasted. It doesn't matter if the person responds the way you think they should or the way you want them to or the way that that you're praying for them to. Love is never wasted. It's never spent uh, with with no return. It's never, there's never nothing that happens. There is always something at work. God is always moving. What does it mean for us to live and love like Jesus? It means that we love with, with great abandonment. We love with sacrifice. We love with forgiveness and we lo- lo- love with no conditions. It means that everything I've gotten from Jesus, I get to give to the next guy. Have you ever been comforted by Jesus? Has he ever encouraged you? Has he ever been healing, a healing balm to your heart? Has he ever helped you? Has he ever blessed you? Has he ever moved in the life of your children? Has he ever brought your marriage to a new place? Has he ever given you hope? Has he ever put a fire inside of your your soul and spirit to live differently? How do I love like Jesus? I love like that. I've been comforted. I'm comforting you. God healed me. I'm going to help. I'm going to pray for your healing. God's convicted me. Now I'm going to turn with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to challenge you, brother and sister. I'm going to point to hope. I'm going to point to faith. And I'm going to be like Jesus is to me. And I'm going to turn and become that. And point them to Jesus. I wrestled this morning on what, what's your action step with this message? I love action steps. Love one another. See a need? Meet it. Somebody going through a hard time? Help them. Somebody need you to pray for them? Pray for them. Someone need encouragement? 
Help them have courage. Is someone scared? Help them have hope. Love one another. And the world will turn. And they will ask, what is this crazy, fearless group of people that are crazy enough to live like this and to love like this?